1: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See eBayMotors.com.
0: Really, Duncan had it. They turn it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, right! Woo! You can see it coming and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Oh! Shashokugi! May the force be with you! Oh my goodness, Carl Anthony Towns! He is not human! He is catastrophic!
1: Welcome back to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I am your host, Brendan Hedke, and as always, the podcast is a part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. And today, I am joined by Richard from Mavs Draft. You can find him on Twitter, at Mavs Draft. And he's joining today to talk about Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Dallas Mavericks preseason game, number three, on Thursday, December 17th. How's it going, Richard?
0: It's going pretty good. It's... uh. We're near the end of the preseason, which is always a good thing, so uh, I'm ready for the overreactions to nothing to be done.
1: (laughs) Oh my, yeah, talk about overreactions, you should, the Timberwolves have played really bad first two games, Um, overreactions have been flowing, I've had a few overreactions, but I try and keep them limited myself, but Wolves Twitter is a very um, pessimistic place all of a sudden, and I get it, we went through a lot, but um i don't think you can take too much stock and how much stock do you actually put into what you're seeing during preseason and like what what do you think you can take out of preseason what do you think just should be disregarded
0: yeah i mean you can take like 10 of things i feel like for some of the young fringe guys uh seeing if they got game uh, i think that's important like I, I'm, I'm trying to think of who like if jared vanderbilt for example like if he starts like being able to dominate for stretches like that's important like that means he probably is deserving of some minutes doesn't mean he's gonna be dominant in the regular season though but like things like that I feel like that's as much as you can take it I don't feel like Luka Doncic playing terribly is like something you're gonna be like oh I'm rethinking MVP now like you know yeah
1: no and I get that because like Cat hasn't looked great in the first two preseason games and Cat's dealt with a lot outside of basketball stuff in general but like he shot like three for 12 the other night like I'm not worried about Carl Anthony Towns skill being there I am a little worried about him as just a person and like getting through all the tragedy he's been through but like I know as a basketball player he has the skill and the skill didn't just vanish over the offseason um but for me as I watch preseason games one I like to see just how some people work together even if results aren't that great just like what kind of sets are being ran out there when certain people are sharing the floor and then looking at young guys to see if they belong. But, like, you see some young players. Anthony Edwards hasn't looked great in his first two preseason games either. And I've had people texting me saying we should have drafted Mello. And just people just all over the place. And and I get it. And I actually did want Mello more than Edwards coming into the draft anyways. Um, but I'm not mad about Edwards not looking good. Because Lamelo just had a game where he didn't score. But people see the flashy passes and they think he's all great and then they see Edwards not playing well and they think Edwards is going to be a bust. I mean, Anthony Edwards got drafted like less than a month ago and he's already trying to play against NBA level competition. Um, so I think it's a little too hard to kind of judge really a lot of these young players, especially this year, because most seasons they would have much longer, uh, training camp, not to mention summer league. And they would also have you know, what, like, eight games of preseason basketball, and now they have three. So I I don't take too much stock into it. Yeah, and,
0: I mean, dude, the summer league is probably the biggest thing, especially because, like I said, the young guys is what I think you take the most of from preseason. Um, I mean, yeah, a month turnaround, these guys are going to be rusty. I mean, think about it. They haven't played organized ball outside of, like, some low-key pickup games. Um, It's... You really can't draw a conclusion from this. This is such a weird draft class anyways. Like, there's so many different things that you could point to. Um, the preseason is not the end-all, be-all for most of these guys. You know, like, it's cool that There are some guys who it's obvious, like, they're going to be fine. Like, I mean, Memphis just played Minnesota. I think you can tell pretty quickly. And obviously, like, I think both of us are pretty big on this guy. Like, Desmond Bain. Yeah. Like, that guy's going to be good. Yep. That You didn't need the preseason to know that. Like, I don't know. There's some things like that. But, I mean, man, you cannot be taking number one pick talk seriously after a preseason game
1: no exactly i and i don't i get the concern because you know there was times where he just didn't look good out there but i mean the kids just turned 19 years old and he has all the athleticism in the world and he's he's gonna be a fine nba player regardless i think but people are just taking too much stock and i just i actually just finished writing a piece um on jared culver's performance in the first two games because he's been really encouraging um as a defender And then he's shown some offense that we haven't seen really from him a lot. And it's been kind of encouraging. And I just tried to make sense of it. But in the piece I was talking about, like, what can you actually take from these preseason games and what can't you? And I basically said, like, I'm not taking the shooting percentage for this game. I'm not taking any of that type of stat stuff. What I'm taking in is looking at the video. How comfortable does he look in the court compared to last year? Is he doing things defensively that he didn't do last year? And then are those things going to translate to um, the NBA? Because Jared Culver was like checking Ja Morant. They had him playing point of attack defense on Ja. And there was just a number of plays where Ja started driving and Culver was able to make ground back up and cut him off. And it was just really encouraging stuff that we didn't really see from him as a defender last year. So I took that and that's kind of what I focused on more than, oh, he shot two for five throughout the – preseason from three he's right. a 40% shooter like no he's probably not going to shoot 40% actually I almost can guarantee he's not going to shoot 40% from three um I, I hope he does I hope he proves me wrong there but I highly <laughs> highly doubt it so those are the type of things that I take from preseason games um have you been able to watch any Timberwolves games or anything or have you just I mean just these two preseason games
0: so funny enough uh I actually have watched more. I watched the Memphis games twice. I watched those more than I did the Dallas game. Uh, not entirely by design. Uh, there's some stuff going on with Dallas. I don't know if you heard about it with Fox Sports Southwest. It's, oh, it's with all maps. It's, oh, it's here too. Oh, okay, it, it is everywhere. Like, Sinclair is just Great. so
1: bad. So, like, a lot of Wolves fans, unless you have, like, DirecTV or, um, yep. like, Charter Spectrum, you can't watch the Wolves unless you find yep. it online somewhere. So, it's pretty pretty tough for a lot of wolves fans a lot of people luckily i'm able to watch them through uh, my college roommates provider that we that i had when i had call it in college i still have the login and stuff and i talked to him he said i can still use it so like other than that though a lot of people are having trouble with it so i we wolves nation your mavs nation everybody kind of is in the same boat i think
0: yep yeah it it sucks uh, so i didn't watch the first game i watched bits and pieces of the second I uh, I watched almost all of um I watched almost all of the first one and I watched just casually the yep. second game. So like I said, I've seen uh I've seen more probably more Wolves in Memphis than I have Dallas.
1: Oh yeah. So did anything stand out to you as like an out I know you're not just outsider watching just for bad. I'm sure you're like thinking about stuff while you're watching games just like regard I can watch whatever game and I'm always trying to, like, break things down. Did you did anything pop off the page either good or bad about what you saw from the Wolves during those games that you watched?
0: So, I mean, I watched... Honestly, I watched more for Memphis, if I'm being 100% honest. And that's all totally in, all fair, shot. yeah. And, and obviously, like, I was the Desmond Bain guy, so, Right. Like, but, uh, I mean, Cat, you know, we talked... You talked about it earlier, like, Cat doesn't look like he's going to drop off. Like, he's probably still going to flirt with 30 and 10... Uh, I noticed Culver did look a lot smoother. That was pretty Mm -hmm. noticeable, Uh, even just casually paying attention to it. And I really watched for Anthony Edwards. I really didn't see anything that, like, scared me. Uh, Those were my key takeaways, though. Like, I I mainly watched for the young guys in Cat.
1: Yeah, and the other thing with Cat, too, like I said before, like, Cat, I don't know. He didn't shoot well from three for a while, and just, like, I'm not worried about that type of stuff. Uh, With Culver, though, another thing I looked at, I forgot to mention when I talked about the piece earlier, um, his stroke looks better less of a hitch and everything. So I think that really helps him. Maybe not bodes well for him being a good shooter, but like he shot 29.9% from three last year. Maybe he's going to be 33 or 34% this year, which is like much more respectable numbers. Oh yeah. And that I'm sorry. And I think the confidence thing was something that got to him, not from, not just from three, but from like making the right decisions, shooting free throws too. He shot like 40 something percent from free throw line last year. Um, which I think was a lot more mental than it was like physical. So if he's a little more confident, maybe he's up to 70% or something this year, which would make him a lot more playable because there was times he wasn't very playable last year. But those are just some encouraging things I saw with him. Um, to kind of focus back on Anthony Edwards, because you mentioned that you didn't see anything that scared you from him. I didn't necessarily see anything that scared me from him either. And it seems like a lot of Wolves fans made it seem like you should be scared because he's not good or something. Especially in the first game. He looked a lot better in the second game, but the first game, he did a lot of standing around. But my argument to that is he's just a rookie. Like, he looked like a rookie out there. He looked like you You could see him processing everything. All the plays, everything was being processed by him, which is what kind of what you want. Don't you want him thinking about what he's supposed to be doing on the court rather than just going balls to the walls and just doing whatever he wants out there? I... I think he's a lot smarter than people let on, and I think he was just processing because it was his first time on an NBA court against, you know, John Morant. Like, it's going to be tough. Yeah,
0: it's not easy. And, and, I mean, like I said, I watched a lot for Desmond Bain, he, and my favorite thing about him at TCU was just how much he moved to get to his spots. And even then, I, I was like, dude, why, why are you not moving? It's right. a rookie thing. It's a chemistry thing. They, It's very obvious these rookies don't have chemistry, and that's a big part of why the short gap hurts a lot of them. I think Uh, it's just, it's so noticeable that they miss them wide open in the corners, things like that. I don't, I really don't think you can take too much stock into seeing Anthony Edwards, like not moving a lot off ball, Um, especially because like he didn't blow me away, obviously, but like, I feel like that's not an issue. Like it'd be, I'd be like a cool thumbs up if he blew me away. Right. Uh, That would be my reaction. But like, if he, if he showed like major flags, that's way more concerning to me. That's something that like, pops out more you right
1: know? yeah and i think one of my rules of thumb is just like looking at people in preseason especially you know first and second year guys is like i think you can take more stock in if they look good than you can and if they look bad like if he came out yep. and he just dropped like 25 i'd be like all right this kid is going to be good in the nba but <laughs> he goes out and scores five and i'm not like okay this kid's gonna suck in the nba like, yeah, he's probably not going to be a 25-point-per-game scorer if he scores 25 in the preseason. But it kind of just shows you that, like, he belongs there. But, like, a five-point outing isn't showing me that he doesn't belong in the league. So that's kind of my big takeaway from that. Um, I want to switch over talk about the Mavs a little bit. Um, so obviously the Dallas Mavericks have a couple really nice young rookies that I really like coming out of the draft, and I was kind of excited to see that they landed in dallas um tyrell terry being one tyler bay being one josh green um have have those guys played i haven't watched any of the maps have those guys played and if they have how have they looked
0: yeah so tyrell terry hasn't really done much he's been kind of him and tyler bay really just haven't seen the court much um but josh green has come in he i think i want to say it was the second game where he played with almost all the starters uh, so I think he came in for Josh Richardson. So it was like with him, Luca, uh, Powell, and Finney Smith, and uh, blanking on who the other one is. I, and I'm hating myself for it. But Tim Hardaway. He yes, Tim Hardaway. Thank you. And he looked really good. I mean, the defense defense is 100 percent there because he was a try hard on defense. Right. Not only the whole year at Arizona, but he was a try hard that night. Like he was just going balls to the wall kind of thing. Like he was just all out on preseason basketball. Uh, and his floater looked nice. He gets to his spots. It looks like he's benefiting from NPA spacing. Uh, just the way that he is and, like, his IQ, it's really going to work. You know, he's not going to be going against five other people, including two, te- two teammates uh, like he did in right. Arizona at the rim. So I'm really confident. He was, You know, he was my guy for Dallas. He was my top choice all along. And, like, I, I really think that they have a chance to hit a home run with him. And I think he gets some immediate minutes in the rotation – uh, I have no clue, like I do not envy Carlisle right now to have to draw up a rotation though because it's insane. The Wings went from Dorian Finney-Smith to be the only playable one to now having like five guys all in that mix.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think the Mavericks are like really in an interesting spot because I can see like 12 names on this list where I'm like, yeah, that that guy probably could deserve like NBA rotational minutes. And the Wolves are kind of in the same way, but not quite to the same extent as the Mavericks. We have a lot of guys who aren't so good, but they're all about the same level, and we just need some of them to play minutes, but we have to figure out which ones they're going to be. But the thing I liked about Josh Green for the pick for the Mavericks is I thought he would be a good shooter, and I thought he'd be a good defender. And you saying that you can just see the defense being there, like that's something I think you should be able to, as a Mavs fan, buy stock in. Out of like based off these preseason games, and you also mentioned that he's getting to his spots. I think that's something that Mavs fans can be really happy about. Is just that he gets to that spot. Maybe he's not knocking the shot down yet, but he knows how to effectively get there and get to that shot, which is something that a lot of rookies don't know how to do. And I think with Anthony Edwards, he's still figuring out how does he play when he's on the court with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, two high profile scorers. Not to mention if he shares the court with Malik Beasley, that's three guys that probably average at least like 16 points a game. Yep. So where does he get a shot? So someone like Josh Green coming into the league, playing next to Luka Doncic, one of the most prolific scorers in the NBA, if he's already finding the correct places to get a shot, like that's something Mavericks fans should really be encouraged by. And if he was playing bad, I don't think to be discouraged by that. But if he's already playing that good, then I think you got a good one there.
0: Right, right. And I hope it translates to the regular season, too.
1: Yeah, and I and, I, and it probably will, you know, at least, like I said, getting to where he um, wants to be. But I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion that he's going to be great or anything. But it's just like all of that stuff really bodes well for him being... A solid um, player at some point in his career might not be right away but at some point he should be solid but other than that is there any other rookies that you're like or any like matchups you're excited to see tomorrow I guess most people listening probably listen is the same day as the game but uh, for us it'll be tomorrow night what are you ex- like looking for is there any matchups that you're excited to see
0: honestly I mean one of them, James Johnson, coming home. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, I, <laughs> I,
1: as much as, I'm, I'm really happy with the Wolves making. Obviously, we sent James Johnson to the Thunder before whatever. How what? I don't even know how he ended up in Dallas. Um, but I, I'm happy with the Rubio trade. But I'm gonna miss James Johnson for sure. You guys, he's a heck of a locker room guy, and he's just a cool dude. Just look, wait for like the best pregame outfits you've ever seen in your entire life like just the best and he's just super cool from what i've heard people have been around him um but yeah what were you saying what are you um uh what are you looking forward to
0: yeah so against uh milwaukee anytime they put dwight powell in the post it was game over for dallas so i'm really interested to see how they guard cat um because years past i know uh they put dorian finney smith on him until he got like five to ten feet away and it worked uh I don't know what they're gonna do without Porzingis so and they're not gonna start Maxi Kleba who on paper fits perfectly against him right so I'm really interested to see how they handle Kat and that that goes for the rest of the regular season too uh because they've never had an answer for that guy
1: yeah and most teams don't most teams I mean mean, to be fair most teams (laughs) don't but it um but, like, Dwight Powell's not a big dude from my understanding. Like, he's not a good defender either. See? No. And then on on the offensive side of the ball, Dwight Powell's solid. But, like, I'm interested to see how Cat does against someone like that. Because we saw him go up against Jonas Valanciunas. And, like, Valanciunas is just a big dude. Like, he's one of the biggest dudes in the league. So he was just able to power, like, like, just overpower Cat. And I actually think Cat was pretty solid defensively. For the most part, he was in the right spots. Um, my thing was with Cat is just if he has to make a decision between two people, it usually doesn't work out well because he just has to process that, and he's not the quickest to react. Um, but if he just has to worry about one guy, he's usually pretty solid. But I'm just interested to see how his defense looks against somebody like Dwight Powell, who's a little bit quicker but a little bit you know, smaller, not as big and strong as Jonas Valanciunas. Um, but one matchup I'm really interested to see is – who guards Luka Doncic for the Timberwolves? I'm guessing it'll be they'll put a Kogi on him, and if he's out there, when Culver's out there, I want to see Jerick Culver on him, just to see how Culver looks against somebody that's because like Luka Doncic is one of the best scorers in the league, and he's a totally different style player than John Morant who Culver guarded some against Memphis. Luka's not like top end speed <laughs> like Morant. But he's one of the craftiest players in the league. So I want to see... And he's bigger than Moran. He has more size. He's stronger, I would say. Um, so I just want to see how people like Culver would match up against someone like Luka. And then also, like... Um, I want to see, like, Josh Richardson try and guard up on, like, Anthony Edwards. And see if Edwards is able to do anything against him. Because Richardson's a really solid defender, um, from my understanding. From the I, spe- I especially remember him... Playing for Miami and just being solid defensively and just seeing if Edwards can do something against that. Um But it'll be an inter- there'll be interesting matchups all over the floor there, I think.
0: Yeah, and I I think uh Josh Richardson has been phenomenal on defense. Mavs fans already are enamored with him. They're already calling for an extension. And that's something uh, the Mavericks
1: so, have needed like for a long time is like some yeah. defense around Lucas. So like that's a good pickup for them to have so Luca doesn't have to guard not that like I mean D'Angelo Russell's not playing because he's out but d- if Luca had to guard like D'Angelo Russell it'd be the same thing as D'Angelo Russell probably trying to guard Luca for I mean not quite as bad because because d- I think Luca's a little bit better defensively than D'Angelo Russell and better offensively but it's same caliber like pretty much just getting whatever they want on the court.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, Luca played well in the bubble on defense, especially in the playoffs. Like, he gave it his all, but, I mean, let's be real. In the regular season, he's not going to be more than, like, a neutral defender. Like, yeah. that's a good outcome. And, like, my, that's thing,
1: what... and my thing with Luca is, um, even if he's not a solid defender, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a total liability. Like, kind of how Trey Young is just, like, too small to really make a difference. Like, Luca's big enough to make a difference, regardless if he's, like, a good defender. He's still going to be in your way, whereas, like, Someone like Trey Young's not like that. So Luca's always gonna be not the worst defender in the league if he gives any effort because <laughs> right. he just has some size to him to kind of combat things.
0: And he moves well. Like it's not it's a big yeah. myth is that he's that he's just stiff on defense, but he's not.
1: No. I don't see how you can be like super stiff on defense and be that fluid on offense. It just doesn't like make sense. Like his body's not changing between an offensive possession to a defensive possession. Um I do want to see going back to what you said I want to see what the Mavericks answer for Towns is because realistically you would think it would be Maxi, but he's they're not going to start him and I don't know how much Cat's is going to play I don't know if he's going to play like a Riot. full game wise or if they're going to limit him and play him only like 12 minutes a night I don't know what their plan is because usually like we said earlier there's eight preseason games and this year there's three um but i'm interested to see that matchup for sure is there anything you haven't seen yet that you are hoping to see from the mavericks in general
0: honestly the man i mean the one my real answer um would be for but yeah. <laughs> that's a cheat answer um Man, I, I would like to just kind of see how – I don't really know how to word this. I guess just the ball handler versatility kind of just almost running a lineup with James Johnson like at the five where almost every single person can handle the ball at some point right. where you have like Luca, Brunson, Richardson, um, and even Josh Green. You could even yeah. – like I want to see how daring they can get to go with their extreme five, five – small ball with five ball handlers. And I, right. I that's a loose term with ball handler. But people who can be trusted with the ball in their hands, Right. You know?
1: If you want to talk about ball handlers, um with the Timberwolves having um with the Timberwolves not having DeAngelo Russell for the game, that leaves one point guard on a full NBA contract, and that's Ricky Rubio, so I'm I'm sure Rubio will get the start, which will be interesting to see him get even more minutes with Carl Anthony Towns. But I'm interested interested to see what happens beyond that. Who is the Timberwolves next point guard? Because on the roster right now we have Ashton Haggins out of Kentucky. Um, who is a he was a good defender in college but his offensive game was pretty pretty non-existent and then there's Jalen Noel who is a combo guard um, a scoring guard he's not like a facilitator and then other than that you have your other guards are Okogi, who I would not trust handling the ball Um, Culver who played some he was a primary ball handler for a lot of times at Texas Tech and then you have like Malik Beasley, who I also don't trust to handle the ball all game. Um, and a lot of Timberwolves fans were hoping for uh, Jordan McLaughlin to be resigned, and he just has not been resigned yet. So I'm just interested to see what the rotation looks like for the guards. Do they run Culver there and see if he's got it? They did that at times last year. Didn't look great, but he seems to have tightened up his handle. His decision-making looks better, and he just looks more comfortable out there. But I don't know what the answer is there. Um, do you know much about Ashton Haggins? Because I didn't study his yeah. game at all, but I know you're even deeper into the draft every year than I am. So, what what do you know about Haggins And how would you feel if he was the backup point guard for the Wolves for a game? Uh,
0: probably not too confident on defense. He's a little bit overrated. You know, he's pesky. Uh, loves going for turnovers, but that's about as much as he does on defense. He's not like a point of action defender. Right. You know, like he can't. He's not going to guard you all the way to the drive on the drive. Uh, offensively, the shot. I have no confidence in. Really good slasher and facilitator, but um why why is Jordan McLaughlin not signing? I loved him out of USC. I was all in on that guy, and I'm like, how is this guy not getting attention? And I i was too scared to rank him above like 70. But he was good too last year. Like, what am I, what are we missing?
1: Yeah, so the thing with McLaughlin, he's in a really tough position because he is uh he had a restricted um free agent contract this offseason, and out of a two-way deal, it's I don't know, it's really tough for those kind of guys to find a job in the league because, you know, the team has so much control over the situation because they can match any offer. Um, and a lot of teams probably just didn't feel like it was worth making him an offer. So I think they're kind of at a standstill where I think the Wolves would like to have him on a back in a two-way just because even with the two-way rules this year, um, because I don't think they're limited to 45. Or nope. maybe they're limited, they're limited but, but, it's but it's like practices flexible. don't practices don't count and stuff like that and that was the thing last year he never practiced with the team because he used all of his days were going to games and Wolves fans were worried because he was only he was our only other point guard on the roster uh, towards the end of the season and his 45 days were almost up so before covid took down the league we thought McLaughlin might see his contract converted to a full nba contract before the year was over right but that never happened because covid happened and now I don't know if the wolves are, if the wolves aren't at, or aren't offering t- enough. If J Max wanting too much. If they can't find a deal for how many years he's gonna be under contract. The belief has been that he's gonna be back, but every day we get further down the line, the less of a likelihood is. And then we have um, ronde Hals Jefferson came in on a camp contract, and he just balled out in the second preseason game. His defensive vers- versatility and toughness is something the Wolves have been missing, and he might have just solidified himself as the 15th contract on the team, which then leaves the Wolves to either not bring back McLaughlin, or to yep. cut someone like Nas Reed, Jared Vanderbilt, or Jalen Noel, which I just don't see happening. I could see them maybe. I think that's a mistake. I think they could maybe trade someone away or something somehow to free up a roster spot or maybe ed, ed davis he's one of the apparently one of the best like locker room teammates of all time um but he hasn't looked great and i don't know maybe you could find a trade for him or you just cut your losses with him but he's an intre- you haven't seen enough of him to make that decision either so i don't know but the jordan mclaughlin situation super sticky um he was one of my favorite guys last year um, i interviewed him back when i was writing at wow. a different website he's just super cool guy um and everybody seems to love him and he actually played really well last year when he i mean he had to start for a while because of of injuries and then after the trade deadline um the timberwolves obviously traded away jeff teague before the deadline and then shabazz napier at the deadline and we were left with russell and McLaughlin, and that was that was all the team had and McLaughlin played really well he's Gives us all when he's out there. And I know almost every Wolves fan wants him back. We'll just have to see if he comes back.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, point guard seems to be a pretty big hole. Like, even with all the guards, uh, like you said, it's just... It's hard not having a full-time distributor, too. Like, I don't... Right. I don't know. I, it's it's hard. Like, it, at some point, it's overrated to have, like, so many. But it's also, like, you, you do need someone to, like, handle it. Especially... I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of Phoenix. They were a prime example, too. Yep uh for the years i mean i couldn't even tell you who their point guards were but it was like tyler ulis was their backup uh just all these guys that just should not be backup nba point right. guards and it can derail a lot of your progress everywhere else like well point and guard especially so in
1: a in a season like this where you could have guys being injured because the off season has been so weird and training camp was so short or covid issues pop up and all of a sudden yep D'Angelo Russell is COVID and now Ricky Rubio has to be your starting point guard, then who is your backup point guard? Do you run with Noel and Culver and just let them split it? Um, and the thing with the Timberwolves too is Ryan Saunders, the head coach, loves running two-guard lineups. Like D'Lo and and Ricky Rubio are going to share the floor together for probably 8 to 12 minutes a night. Where, What happens when you need a third point guard, because you, you're going to need one at some point. And yep. who is that going to be? And maybe it is Noel. He looked really good in the first preseason game. Um, and maybe they trust him and Culver enough, and then they'll just run the offense through you know, Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe Anthony Edwards can run some, because he handled the ball a lot uh, for Georgia too. But that's, a, that's a, something that needs to be addressed for the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah, and I i mean, I wouldn't trust Edwards with it, but I, I'm glad you brought him, Noel because I really liked him. He was someone who stood out like he got to the basket at ease. And I liked him at Washington. Um, thought he was kind of the boomer bust, not like in a high ceiling high, high risk, right. but like he's either going to be a bench player who sticks around for a little bit or he's out of the league by his second year, yeah. you know? And I, and I think he's closer to the former. Um, I, I really do like his slashing ability. And if he can be a reliable shooter, like I don't see why he can't stay on the team and stay around. Because like like you said, a lot of those young guys, they have talent. It's just kind of how long can you wait, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think being the backup point or the third string point guard might be his way to see the floor with the number of with, you know, Culver, Okogi, Edwards and Beasley, like that might be Noel's way to see the floor. Um thing with Noel was he came up and played some games last season and I mean just like basically scrub minutes, but he just never looked good at the NBA level. But he was dominant in the G League when he was playing for the Iowa Wolves. And I think he kind of got this reputation where he was just like a catch-and-shoot guy. That's what people thought he was. Um, And one of the Timberwolves reporters asked him about that uh, after his first preseason game this year. And he just basically said, like, I don't know where that came from. I've I've always been a guy, like a a ball handler, a secondary (laughs) ball handler. Um, And he's not a catch-and-shoot guy. Like, he likes to attack the rim. And he's somebody that interests me, and I hope it works out for him because he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year a couple years ago, and hopefully he can, you know, get some minutes if he needs, if especially if the Timberwolves need him, and he can play well in that role. Um, but looking at the Mavericks, I know this guy hasn't played much, but he was somebody that I liked, and I hope the Timberwolves uh, picked up with their second round pick before the draft happens and all the trades and everything. But Tyler Bay, have you seen much out of Bay? Because he was somebody that I liked before the draft. and
0: Yeah, um, I was a big fan as well. I loved, I mean, the defense was just insane. Um, hasn't really played much. He's kind of been, like, he plays the last five minutes. He plays the pure garbage time. So it's really hard to say. It seems like they're not going to be playing him much, at least right away. But uh, kind of seeing, I feel like his game could be similar to like Al when it's at his best. Um, I, and the Mavs had their run with Al It took him a while to get acclimated into the system, but when he got there, like Carlisle knew how to use him so well. And like you said, with the two way, um, I guess just lack of limitations. It's really easy to draw up a scenario where he gets rotation minutes when they need just extra defenders, which right. obviously like was the biggest push this year was defense, defense, defense. um, I, I really do think that they have confidence in him to be able to step in as a specialist when needed. Uh, honestly, against Minnesota would be a good matchup. Like when you get, like I said with Dorian Finney-Smith, like in the regular season last year, I remember them having, uh, they would guard him, or he would guard Cat, you know, 5 to 15 feet out and everything. Um, you could do the same for Tyler Bay. So, like, I don't see why they wouldn't put him in if he's available. So, I, I, I love the upside, but he hasn't shown anything yet.
1: Yeah. What's your expectation for uh, Thursday night's game? Do you see the Mavericks running it like a regular season game with that type of rotation? Or do you think they're trying to see more run with um, more of the younger guys who just see maybe they have some roster decisions to make or something? Mm -hmm. What do you what do you expect to see out of Rick Carlisle's squad?
0: Yeah, so they should be good on the on the rotate or I'm sorry, on the roster because they cut J.J. Berea. Um, but I think that you're going to see them play for a legit three quarters is what I would guess. I don't think they're going to go the opposite way and just rest. Um, but I, I think you're going to see for three quarters, they play like real rotations and everything. And then fourth quarter, they'll start changing it up, putting experimenting with like the 11th, 12th, 13th, uh, and so on guys. That's kind of my expectation. Um, it's just that they'll treat it close to a real game.
1: Yeah. And for the Wolves I kind of expect that too, but the, the sticky situation is, um, while well, one, obviously D'Angelo Russell's out, but you're dealing with the same thing where your second best player is out as well with Christoph Porzingis um going through what was it, knee surgery or
0: Yeah, something like yeah.
1: that. Um but other than that, I'm just interested to see if they do run it more like a real game, who plays next to Carl Anthony Towns. Cause there's a ton of options on the Wolves that are all like not that good but they're like the best options we have <laughs> it's down to like jake layman who's looked really good next to towns on both sides of the floor um for the most part but he's not a great defender but he has looked pretty solid then you have someone like ronde house jefferson who is just a dog defensively is super versatile and he would help out cat a lot but he doesn't fit the system because he can't knock down a three he's career like 20 percent three-point shooter then you have like Juancho Hernan-Gomez, who's a good offensive player but doesn't provide much on the defense side of the floor and he just looked really bad in the first preseason game which again it's preseason yeah. he just he joined the team even late because he was over he was filming a movie somewhere overseas with adam sandler what yeah von Hernan gomez is a movie <laughs> star um but he was film, he was filming a movie with adam sandler and then there was, I think, troubles with like his visas coming back to the United States with all the COVID restrictions and stuff. So he came in late, um, but he didn't look good. But I have faith he'll look a lot better than he did that game. But it's just like, those are three of your options at Power Forward. Then you have guys like Jaden McDaniels, who's a rookie, who I don't think has any shot to really get rotational minutes this year. Um, but if there's issues, he might have to. And then like Jared Vanderbilt and possibly ed davis but i think davis will be a center in this system but there's just a lot of question marks there and i'm interested to see what that looks like on thursday and then kind of compare that to the timberwolf season opener which is next wednesday against detroit and just see what the rotation looks like because there i wrote a rotational piece like what i expected and there was like 12 guys that i was like i expect this person to play and now i'm like looking back and i'm like i don't know I don't think Saunders is running a 12-man rotation, so who doesn't get minutes on a nightly basis? And I just can't figure it out. But I want to talk about just your expectations for the Maverick. By the way, you're the first person on the podcast to talk about real basketball that wasn't a Timberwolves guy. <laughs> so congrats for that. But um
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> um, but I want to see what. What are your expectat- expectations as a Mavericks fan and somebody who obviously is not just like a fan, but you kind of actually. I don't know. There's like casual fans and then people that are much more invested, and you're obviously uh, the latter there. What are your expectations for the Mavericks this season?
0: It it really varies on how long Porzingis is out. I think that's that's going to be what kind of changes how and where I. Uh... I expect them to finish but Mm -hmm. they need a hot start like that's also going to be huge i the realistic expectation if everything goes right probably three or four seed uh that seems pretty high though i don't feel like they can be better than all of um or sorry i don't think that one of these three teams which are the two la teams in denver i don't think there's really a way that they're worse than dallas unless they get really screwed by injuries uh so probably four seed is the realistic ceiling. And then seven seed, I don't really see them being below that. But who knows, because the West is a bloodbath. But I do think they're, like, on paper, a lock for the playoffs. I think this is Rick Carlisle's best team that he's had since 2011. Uh, I said that also in 2011, 2012, when I thought O.J. Mayo, Chris Caitman, and, like, all these other guys were good pickups. But this one, I, like, actually firmly believe this is his best roster that he's had since the title team. So uh, I, I really do think a 50 – well, whatever the adjusted yeah like 40 uh, would be. i guess 45 four, 46, 45 whatever. is like the new 50 right yeah so like i could easily see that being achieved
1: yeah so i'm pretty high on the mavericks i think they had a hell of an off season i think you know losing seth curry hurts but you replaced him with someone who fills more of a need for your team with josh richardson you brought in some tough defensive <clears throat> players like richardson and then also like james johnson you got some rookies who can help you especially josh green and I actually have them as a four seed in my predicted Western Conference. I have uh, Lakers, Clippers, Blazers, and then wow. Mavericks at four. Um, and you mentioned the Nuggets. I actually have the Nuggets down at six. I didn't love their off season. Wow. I think losing Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee is going to hurt them a lot more than people think it will. And I think they're betting a Fair. bit too much on Michael Porter Jr. being really good. And I think it will be really good. But I think they're betting a bit too much on him right now. And maybe they'll prove me wrong, um, but I have them down at 6. But I have the Mavericks at 4, so I'm pretty high in the Mavericks. Um, obviously, it will come down to how long Porzingis is out. Uh, if he's out for a couple months, I don't know if there's a timetable at all for his return. If he's out in an extended period of time, I think that they maybe do end up as like the 6th or 7th seed. But come playoff time, they could easily upset a 2 or 3 seed in the playoffs and make it to the 2nd round and then have to play somebody beyond that i think at, at full strength they're one of the best teams in the western conference
0: yeah and they so the timeline for poor is anywhere from he thinks he, like i've seen reports saying that he thinks that he could be back by opening day or christmas sorry christmas not opening day um which is i'm not even sure how i'd feel about that it feels rushed i've right. also seen you know potentially mlk day so it's pretty wide Um, I like what you said though about Seth, like losing Seth hurt, but, and maybe this is too simplistic when you look at, he went missing a lot, especially in the bubble. Um, he just wasn't the same Seth Curry that he was uh, before the shutdown, which is like kind of an unfair thing because the shutdown did did a lot of guys no favors. Right. Um, but he, he just, when he wasn't hitting, there were times where you're like, wait, he's been on the court for 25 minutes and he's done nothing. And I don't think you will have that same low of josh richardson where even when josh richardson isn't scoring or his offense is just off entirely he's still gonna add so much more defensively than seth curry did that it, it it's gonna it's gonna severely outweigh it i think i think it was a positive move and they got a pick for him which right. still is mind-boggling to yeah. me. even if the guy isn't gonna play immediately i i just
1: who did they I mean, draft with the me. with the pick
0: that was tyler bay okay tyler yeah bay. and
1: that's a good project guy to get with especially when you yep. i would say But, I mean, for Philly, it makes sense to swap the players. I don't know if the pick makes sense. But I think Curry fits them better, and I think Richardson fits the Mavs better. Um, But you mentioned the bubble, and I think that's going to be a benefit for a lot of teams, especially teams that were out early in the playoffs. How did the Mavericks end up? Lose second round?
0: Uh, They lost in six to the Clippers in the first.
1: Oh, yeah, first round. Okay, so the Mavericks had that time to play. They brought back a very similar roster this season going into the year and they didn't have a super extended time off from their last game where you have teams like the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Hawks. All those, all three of those teams are in really similar situations and I think it's going to take them a long time to adjust. One, they haven't played since March. Secondly, their rosters look totally different. When you think of the Hawks, they brought in Bogdanovich and they brought in Gallinari and they brought in Okongwu and Klinkapella's never played for them before. Those are four of your rotational pieces who have just never played together or played with your star player in Trey Young. And it's just going to be interesting to see how that works out. Then you look at the Warriors. Steph hasn't really played in a long time. Um, Oubre, Ubre's brand new. Wiggins hasn't played in nine months, and he was new to that system. And then you have Wiseman, who's probably going to be your starting center, who's a rookie. And then you look at the Timberwolves and D'Lo and Cat played one game together. Uh, Malik and Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernangomez played two games with Cat. Rubio hasn't played with Cat since 2016 like or 17. And then Edwards is brand new. Um, Layman's barely played, and because he was hurt most of last year, Cat's barely played in like over a year. He's only played a few games. It's just all over the board, and those teams are going to take longer. To adjust and get back, knock the rust off. Where teams that were in the bubble, I think, have a little bit of an advantage. Maybe Miami and LA have a little disadvantage compared to some of the other bubble teams because it hasn't been long enough for them. But those teams like the Mavericks, who were out in the first round, they've had like a normal length off season. Yep. I mean, grant they had the break from March until the season started back up, but from the time the playoffs ended for them till now it's probably relatively close to a normal normal off season um but i just went through the timberwolves whole spiel about why they're gonna probably be slow to start the year as an outside person who is obviously not like a primary timberwolves fan what are the what does the timberwolves look like to you as a franchise as a team for this season what do you see from them
0: yeah so i mean i think uh I think they're not a playoff team, unfortunately. Um, I think Cat plays out of his mind. I think ultimately, though, the guard play is going to be what makes or break the season. If Culver takes a step forward, if Edwards can prove he can be, you know, live up to number one pick status, uh, I still think even in an A-plus season, they're like probably the ten nine seed just because of how much of a bloodbath it is. And I just, I really don't trust the depth a lot, uh, as much as it pains me, but... I I do think they're going to be one of the more fun teams, and I don't think that just because they're going to be losing a lot doesn't mean that they're going to be bad. They're going to hang in there with a lot of teams. I don't think they're going to be like most teams in the NBA now this year. Like, there's no easy game against them. They're not – you know, there's no, like, major flaw. I don't think that that you're like, all right, just attack them here and we win. Um, I mean, if everybody's healthy, I think there's a legit chance, though, that they could – if everything goes right, like – maybe they could sneak into the play in game but i feel like that's very optimistic um i mean just fighting for that playoff spot though i feel like it's all you can ask for right like that's yeah. that's like a big hope
1: yeah and i'm kind of in the same boat i don't necessarily think i think if everything fell right they they could maybe get into like the a seed um or be in the play in games i am currently projected to be the 11th seed um i don't think they're going to be i've seen some as like 14th or 13th i don't think they're going to be that bad i think the offense is going to be too good um yep. if you had to guess like top five top 10 top 15 what do you think like the wolves offense would be this coming year
0: uh top 15 top 15 i yeah. fully believe in it i think i think the offense especially with cat and d i mean that it opens everybody else up and especially when you consider how much like yeah they get their easy 20 points a game but then you consider how much they make their teammates better too like i, I just feel like everything's gonna be on a platter for everybody else you know
1: Right, for sure. And I'm in the same boat there, actually. I think I have them, I feel pretty safe that they're going to be a top 10 offense in the league. Maybe the first month or so is going to be kind of rough just because everybody's going to know each other. But by the end of the season, they're going to be like a top 10 offense. Optimistically, I think they could be like top 5 or 6 offense in the league if everything hits right. If Malik Beasley truly is close to a 20 point per game scorer, if Cat does continue to get better because he has every year and he was already at 26 points per game last year it could potentially happen but I saw a stat last season so at the end of last season the Timberwolves um, ended up 24th in offense 21st in defense and obviously Carl Anthony Anthony Towns only played about half of their games with Cat on the floor the Wolves were the second best offense in the league But they were, and that was before, and that was, you know, without like Beasley and Watt, that was like Cat, Wiggins, Jeff Teague, teams. (laughs) With Cat off the floor, so, okay, so they were second best, when he was on, they were second best offense, last in defense, like dead, 30th. When he was off the floor, they were 30th in offense, dead last in the league, and then they were 15th in defense.
0: (laughs) See, I, I feel like Cat is a team. Like whatever you put around him, that's what his defense is going to be. Like if you put bad defenders next to him, and obviously like Culver and Okogi are good defenders, but they can only do so much. Like correct me if I'm wrong, but it's always kind of been about who you put next to him. You no, know? like yeah,
1: my thing with Cat is like put somebody next to Cat that doesn't make sit deci- doesn't make mistakes of their own, so Cat doesn't have to make mistakes covering up that person's mistakes. If Cat, for the most part. Only has to worry about his guy. He's actually a good rim protector. It's when Ja Morant blows past DeAndre Russell. And then Cat has to decide. Is he going to stop Ja or is he going to try and just stay on Valanciunas And hope yep. somebody else helps with Ja. So that's kind of the big thing. But so I'm not going to say he's a great. But he's actually a, actually a solid rim protector. And it's more about who you put next to him. And the scheme that you run with him. Than it is about him and hopefully they figure that out what who would be your x-factor for the mavericks like the guy that could make or break the team and not like luka Doncic, but because obviously if he's gone (laughs) if he's out it's gonna they're gonna suffer but who would be your x-factor for the team
0: man i got i got a tie three-way tie because or really two-way, because Porzingis is a cheat code answer, too. I'm not going to say him. Right. Because um, his health is just a given at this point. Yeah. Um, Josh Richardson, being as good as advertised, is definitely one. Um, and then I would say Dwight Powell, if he can stay healthy and look the same, like look like he didn't, just come off an Achilles tear. Right. Um, I mean, he was – the Mavs offense looked a lot different. Like, Mavs fans had a civil war over the guy, uh, which which was an experience of itself. Yeah. And, uh I, I did not agree with half of the people. I think it's, it was very obvious how much better he made the offense. Like if you have to stop either Luka Doncic or one of the best role men, it's not an easy choice. <laughs> like right. He's going to make you pay regardless. And then it kind of that roll gravity, like it's real. Uh, I, I just, I, I think those are the two things that are going to be the most important.
1: I would have probably pegged Richardson there. Um, I didn't really think of Powell, but that when you bring it up, that's a really good point. Um, and obviously poor Zingas with this health and everything for the Wolves. And I told you not to pick Luca, but like, I think (laughs) cat really could be an X factor for this team. How, how bought in he is defensively. Um, but then outside of cat, um, obviously Anthony Edwards is like our big X factor. Is he the number one pick? Is he a top guy out of this year's draft and how good is he going to be this season? Um, on both sides of the floor. And then my underrated one would be Ricky Rubio. Just how much does Ricky Rubio help Anthony Edwards and Culver and and D'Angelo Russell? Because Ricky Rubio played alongside Donovan Mitchell, who is some people's comp for Anthony Edwards. Um, and he really made Donovan Mitchell really good. And I think that Rubio helped in Mitchell's development more than people kind of give it credit for. And we kind of saw the same thing with Devin Booker last year uh, with Rubio playing alongside him. And obviously now Devin Booker has, you know, a little bit better of a, or a lot better of a Ricky Rubio in Chris Paul. But like, can Rubio do the same thing with Beasley, Russell, or Edwards or two of the three that he did with like Mitchell and Booker? And I'm not going to chalk up their entire development to Ricky Rubio because obviously that's not fair, but he definitely played a role there. And I'm interested to see how that translate with other guards on the Timberwolves. So he's kind of my X-factor guy. And Timberwolves fans, obviously, they love Ricky Rubio. He's like the golden child of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Everybody's favorite Timberwolf, except for Car- or um, Kevin Garnett. Um, but he would be the big one for the Timberwolves in my in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's actually a good answer. I didn't think of that because. I mean even I follow a ton of Suns people and I mean they right. they credit Rubio so much for the growth of that team last year like that's just kind of who he is he's kind of that mentor kind he's of point just guard a, at this point in his career
1: I think he's a good guy as a mentor and then just on the floor too he's just a solid player Yep I've heard some people um say now the Wolves have the best backup point guard in the league with Rubio and I don't I haven't seen like every depth chart but I mean I'm guessing he's a top 5 to 7 backup point guard in the league he'd start on a number of teams i mean t- t- some timberwolves fans are clamoring for him to be the starting point guard and have delo be the off guard um which is interesting um but i just don't see it happening but yeah he's i've seen a lot of a lot of uh, suns fans say the same thing that Ru- that rubio was really um impactful for devin booker and just that whole team last year so i'm in- i'm interested to see what it looks like for the timberwolves this season
0: Dang! Now you got me thinking on the best backup point guard. He he might be if he's not starting yet. Yeah, I, I think it actually is him.
1: Yeah, Tim I Tim or like
0: what? Monty Morris? Like
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, Monty Morris is really good. Maybe um, we're missing someone, but I don't know who. I'm just thinking of like teams and like. I mean, if LeBron starts at point guard and then Shooter comes oh, off that's the bench, a, no,
0: that's a cheat answer. That is a cheating answer. Right? Exactly. Shooter <laughs> yeah, <Schreuder> doesn't count. <laughs> right,
1: and he might even start for them. So yeah. And then I can't think of another, I can't. Unless like Lonzo Ball comes off the bench for Bledsoe, maybe. Or Bledsoe comes off for Lonzo, one of the two. That would be pretty comparable, I would say. But for the most part, you know, Rubio's probably a top three to five backup point guard in the league. Um, And he'll play pretty much starter minutes, and I'm sure he'll be on the closing lineup for the team. So backup point guard, sure, but definitely not only a, 20 minute per night guy, um, but that's pretty much all I had. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about for the matchup um, Thursday, hopefully you can find a way to watch it because hopefully yeah, I'll, Fox, I'll figure it out. Fox Sports figures everything out, but yeah, now we're in the same situation up here. So a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of the same way. Who do the Mavericks open the season against, and what day is that? Uh, Five.
0: Phoenix on the 22nd, I believe.
1: 22nd, so they're on opening night against Phoenix. Yep. So
0: that'll be. I've, I've- think so don't quote now i gotta double check them down myself be... but i'm pretty sure they get that in the christmas game i think yeah. you're right uh, no so not opening night they're not opening 23rd night. okay wednesday so Sorry. that would be the same night the but wolves they're on espn play.
1: yep and then they play the lakers so they have a tough we talked about this before i think was it before we started recording but that the the wolves just have a tough go to start the season but the mavericks i mean they got to play chris paul's sons and then the lakers and clippers then they have the Hornets, but then they have the Mavericks. It eases
0: up, yeah.
1: But the, the West is just going to be a bloodbath. I mean, every West... I don't see a Western Conference team that I'm, like, sold on is just going to be, like, bad. Like, I don't think the Kings Thunder. are going to be very good. And, yeah, okay, the Thunder. But, but they could surprisingly be okay, too. Because, like, Al Horford could be okay for them and then shea could be good and you could see growth from some people but yeah the thunder are probably going to be bad but other than that like i think the kings won't be good but i'm not throwing down 100 dollars that the kings are going to be the 14th seed like they could be the 10th seed like there's just so many teams i mean i think luke walton sucks as a coach and they need to find someone else but they have talent too so the west (laughs) is just going to be a bloodbath um It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if like something happens with Harden and Houston and everything else there. But other than that, I mean, it's going to be tough for every team to try and get. In. If you have a star player go down for a month or something, that could be your window to see. And that's like a way I could see the the Wolves somehow sneaking yep. the playoffs because there's injuries every year. And if the Wolves are healthy, and I mean, I don't want other teams to get injured by any means. But if they did, the Wolves would need to take advantage of a situation like that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that, that's what I was going to say. Was it's The 14 to, like, 10 is going to be who got unlucky with injuries. Uh, I think because I think I really am sold on Oklahoma City being the worst uh, team in the West. Just yeah, because you're not going to be able to beat so many teams in the West. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not even that they're horrible. It's just, like, they're one of the best bad teams we've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I just... I don't know. I, I really do think uh, that it's going to come down to almost luck. I mean, whether or not it's injuries, like you said, or COVID. I mean, like one of those two things is going to shape the conferences.
1: For sure. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else, I don't have anything else. So thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate that. And um, yeah, if you want to plug anything, you working on anything fun or anything like that?
0: Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy yet. I'm waiting for draft, uh draft time to heat up as conference play comes up but yep. nothing see nothing some Jalen right Suggs
1: now. in action and just Man. have a
0: good time need Gonzaga back I need Gonzaga yeah back. they haven't played in a
1: while so I'm uh, Suggs obviously is from Minnesota and he's just he's super good for now he's like yep. my second guy behind Cunningham so but I have to watch I have to watch a lot more I'm not and we haven't seen Green play Kuminga play so uh, but, yeah, well, anyways, thank you, Richard, for coming on. Make sure everybody listening, go ahead, follow him at Mavs Draft on Twitter. That's M-A-V-S-D-R-A-F-T. Give him a follow. Um, one of the best draft guys every year, even if you don't like the Mavs. Follow him in the summer for draft stuff, whatever. Um, but, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah, but thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back next time.